I think that this goes to show how deeply seated some of the mindsets that we have are ingrained in us and where they could potentially come from. We already started to talk about, you know, mm -hmm. our upbringing, the parenting, society, brothers, sisters, cousins, family, friends, yep. even, even little things just, just in this, I mean, it's a mind blowing example of how mm -hmm. the only difference between the two was praising one for the effort and one for their ability. And yep. yet it led to these profound changes. What's up everybody. We hope everyone had an electrifying weekend and we hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode with our special guest, Dominique Yayavi. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I'm coming to you all today from Jackson, Wyoming, where I am attending something called the Jackson Wild Media Lab, which is this filmmaking and science communication residency. It's about two weeks long, which brings together 16 people from all across North America, uh, people with production backgrounds, people with science backgrounds, and we are developing our skills about telling stories related to conservation, climate change, wildlife. So I am out here learning as much as I can and enjoying the mountains and enjoying the trail running uh, whenever I get a moment to. That sounds amazing, man. You must be having a blast out there. Oh, uh, yeah. it's It's been great. I mean, you you know you know what kind of landscapes I like and just like the mountains here, man. It's so beautiful. I went for a little a little 10 miler this morning up, you know, running right up straight up the mountain of like a ski resort, you know, so I felt like I, yeah, I was just running the ski trails today. Hell yeah. I love it, bro. And that voice you heard right there, you know who it is. That's my co-host, Hunter Gorski. And today we want to talk about a concept that in truth probably should have been covered in one of our first episodes of the Go Get It podcast. Uh, we're talking about the growth versus fixed mindset. In many ways, what we hope to achieve with the Go Get It podcast is to inspire people into action. But even more than that, we want to inspire each other and all of you listening to adopt a growth mindset in as many areas of life as possible. So in order to achieve that goal, we think it is important to get everyone on the same page because as psychologist and author Carol Dweck says, the view you adopt for yourself profoundly affects the way you lead your life. It can determine whether you become the person you want to be and whether you accomplish the things you value. So the things we're going to dive in here today, what is a growth versus fixed mindset? How do you know which one you have? What are the detriments to having a fixed mindset? Why do we develop fixed versus growth mindsets? How do we change from a fixed to a growth mindset? And to help us get on the same page with all those questions and more, I'm going to pass it over to my brother, Hunter Gorski. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So first, let's let's just dive into, you know, very basically, what is a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset? So a growth mindset means that you believe your intelligence and talents can be developed over time. Whereas a fixed mindset means that you believe intelligence is fixed. So if you're not good at something today, you might believe you'll never be good at it. So to really kind of take this another, another level and another layer in, you referenced Carol Dweck uh, right. in the intro there, Stanford psychologist, and she basically coined what the growth mindset is. 
um, in one of her first publications. And so she, she goes on to, to explain, I'm quoting her. She says, for 20 years, my research has shown that a simple belief has the power to transform your psychology and a result, and as a result, your life. And trust me, she has tons of research on this topic of growth versus fixed mindset. And yes. I'm going to dive into some of that to really get into this concept. Yummy. But she, but she goes on, she goes on to say, believing that your qualities are carved in stone, aka the fixed mindset, creates an urgency to prove yourself over and over. If you have only a certain amount of intelligence, a certain personality, and a certain moral character, well, then you'd better prove that you have a healthy dose of them. That's kind of the inner workings of, you know, of, of somebody who's exhibiting the fixed mindset in a certain area of their life. It simply wouldn't do to look or feel deficient in these most basic characteristics. Right. So basically, she goes and say that you know, and and you know, when it comes to having a fixed, uh, a fixed mindset, every situation calls for a confirmation of your intelligence, your personality, or your character, and every situation is evaluated as: Will I succeed or fail? Will I look smart or dumb? Will I be accepted or rejected? Mm. So it's kind of like it's kind of like if we're growing up playing soccer and you know, maybe we're 12 years old and we have this identity, maybe that we're a good soccer player, then it might even be more intimidating for us to go play like up, up an age group, go play like U14s or something like that, where we're not as good because, well, hold on. My whole identity and and my belief in myself is that I am good. But if now I'm playing on a team where I'm one of the worst players on the team, well, that's not going to feel very good at all. Correct. So now this leads me into there's another mindset in which these traits are not simply a hand you're dealt and have to live with, but the hand you're dealt is just the starting point for development. Mm. So she goes on to explain this growth mindset is based on the belief that your basic qualities are things you can cultivate through your efforts, emphasis on the word efforts. Although people may differ in every which way, in their initial talents, in their aptitudes, in their interests, in their temperaments, everyone can change and grow through application and experience. Hmm. So Maria Popova, she writes an article, it's entitled Fixed Verse Growth, The Two Basic Mindset That Shape Our Lives. She also references Carol Dweck, and she very importantly points out that at the heart of what makes the growth mindset so winsome, Dweck found is that it creates a passion for learning rather than a hunger for approval. Mm. That's an important sentence. Yes. It creates a passion for learning rather than a hunger for approval. Yeah. I want to reference. And let me just jump in there, Hunt. Go let ahead, me just ahead. jump in there because it's like, it's interesting to have that language in that sentence because it makes me think of. What does school a lot of times train us to do? Is it training us for approval, which in the context of school would be a grade? Because I know for me that oftentimes, you know, it was about the grade more so, more so than the learning. Sometimes I'm like, let me just get out of here with my grade, you know? And I think some of that is actually programmed into the way our education system is set up. hundred percent. I agree with you. And I think it's, that's, it's. I'm going to touch on in a little bit. I'm going to elaborate on what you just mentioned there. So make sure I come back to that. Okay. But I think it raises an important point, which is that it, which is first acknowledging and recognizing 
the, you know, some fixed mindsets that we have in certain areas of our life. And Dweck actually goes on to state this, that one of the misconceptions that she saw um, evolving after she made her publication and this started to take off and people started to talk about the growth versus fixed mindset was that people just, you know, thought, oh, you're just somebody who has a growth mindset. You're just somebody who has a fixed mindset <laughs> instead of recognizing that everybody has a growth mindset with some areas of their life potentially and a fixed mindset with others. Okay. Right. So I think first we need to show some humility here. I, I, I know for sure for myself, there's definitely, you know, a lot of areas in my life where at one point I showed a fixed mindset and I transcended that to a growth and there's still areas in my life today where I probably do have a fixed mindset. Yep. Same. That I need to work on. And I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people listening. So yeah. I want to drive home this point, though. So in one seminal study, Dweck and her colleagues offered four-year-olds a choice. So this is going to be the first, the first study that I want to reference of hers. They could either redo an easy jigsaw puzzle or they can try a harder one. Even these young children conformed to the characteristics of one of the two mindsets. Those with fixed mentality stayed on the safe side, choosing the easier puzzles that would affirm their existing ability, and those with the growth mindset thought it an odd choice to begin with. Perplexed why anyone would want to do the same puzzle over and over if they aren't learning anything new. In other words, the fixed mindset kids wanted to make sure they succeeded in order to seem smart whereas the growth mindset ones wanted to stretch themselves because their definition of success was about becoming smart. Hmm. I want to repeat this sentence because this, if you're listening, pull this out. Mm -hmm. Part of shifting from a fix to a growth mindset is redefining what success means away from being smart, being intelligent, to becoming smart, becoming intelligent, which represents an appreciation and a concentration on the process of becoming, not the mm. end result of being. So good. So good. Uh, man, where, 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 where to even begin with that? There's that it's, it's so powerful. And and I think in a lot of places in our life, like you were saying, there's places where we exhibit that. There are places where we don't. I mean, I got got to give a lot of a shout out to my own parents for for being parents who who kind of taught me this early. And when I go when I go back to to thinking about how, some of the ways that this manifested in my own life, I think back to when I was on the Stanford soccer team, and we had our new coach Gunn come into the program. At that time, I was at like the bottom of the pack. Like I was not contributing on the field. And he, man, he was hard on the people who were at the bottom of the pack. Like he he wasn't going to let people just hang around the team going through the motions, just being happy wearing the gear. Like he was going to push you. And I was one of those guys who was pushing. I mean, I remember him yelling at me so much, screaming at me in front of the team. And it was one of those things where if in the arena – of soccer, I'd had that fixed mindset and heard him say that like I was shit one practice or yelling at me for not, you know, doing my defensive work like he expects anyone on the team to do. It'd be very easy to have the mindset of like, okay, I'm not good at defending or I'm not as good as other players on this team. 
who mm-hmm. are in the starting lineup or who he's being kind to out here at practice. But because of the way I was raised, because I got to see both my parents, whether it was like my mom pursuing art, whether it was my dad pursuing music and his work in cardiology, like I got to see both of them continually put an emphasis in the crafts and the things that they dedicated themselves to of improvement, of becoming, of becoming a better musician, of becoming a better cardiologist, of becoming a better artist. And so to me, when I had a coach screaming at me, I was like, well, he must be screaming at me because he sees potential in me. He sees that I can become something. And that's where he's putting his energy into coaching me. And so super mature recognition, by the way, and one that you hear more in sports than I think in other arenas. And I've heard mm. coaches say that before as well, right? I've heard coaches say, you know, don't, don't, don't take me getting on you as I don't care. If anything, it means I do care when you, when you, when you have to start to worry is when I go silent and I don't pay attention to you because mm. then I think you're a lost cause and you're not worth the time to improve. Mm. So, but for you to recognize that is I think a huge, you know, is, is a testament to your maturity and that's incredible. So, so just to clarify when it came to your parents and, and you reflecting on, um, how you adopted this mindset was, so, so from what you've described, I'm hearing that it was strictly in their example that you identified Mm -hmm. that there should be an emphasis put on the process Was was there anything in their language that you can remember that, that reinforced that? Or was it really just through their actions? Yeah, I think I think it was also, if I take school for an example, I definitely had, humanities always came easier to me than math and sciences uh, back in high school. And so it was easy for me to write essays and get good grades in English class. It was easy couldn't for, be more opposite than you, by the way. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and and I always I always felt like my parents were people who praised my effort, not necessarily the grade on the report card. Right. Like I took I took AP chemistry. And AP chemistry yep. was really hard. I can't even really remember what grade I got, but I think they recognized that. I took on AP chemistry, like a harder level of chemistry than normal chemistry. And so even if I didn't do like get the A grade, like they were still going to give me as much, if not even more encouragement than other classes, which they knew came easy to me. And the Mm -hmm. same thing in the soccer realm. Like I remember, man, I never would like get in the car after a soccer game and my parents would say like, oh, you crushed it out there. You were amazing. No, it would be like, it would, it would be a comment on the effort. And then there can always be a conversation in the car about like the past that we could, you know, what would you have done differently there? So even after a game, whether we won or we lost, it was looking towards improvement. It was looking towards becoming, it was looking, it was looking forward about how we could grow. And so I think a big part was an example. That's often how I learn. But then a big part was also that language of praising effort and praising um, any display that I had that I was willing to put in the work to develop. Mm -hmm. 
And that's interesting because I'm, I'm self-reflecting as you're talking through this, uh, you know, I think for me, I had, I, I did have both. Like I can, I can tell you for sure that I got paid some cash for getting A's in classes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Mom yeah. Gorski, you know, she likes to pay cash. Yeah. You know? so, I, so, so there was some of that, you know, result reward. Yeah. Right, um, right, right. But at the same time, I also, I also know that as I'm thinking about it here today, I intuitively knew that that there were reper that there were great repercussions and consequences for not giving effort. Mm. Um, and, and, and not so much from my parents, although I know from my parents that wouldn't be acceptable. Also, you already know the rule in my house, don't be lazy, yeah. but also for myself, because somehow even at a young age, I already associated and probably it comes down to the parenting that was done up to that time, a large part of it. But at some point I, I already kind of knew that I was gonna, I wasn't gonna feel happy with myself. I wasn't gonna feel content. I was gonna feel guilty or you know less, less than ideal if I didn't mm. give 100% of myself, if I didn't give all of my effort because I'm sat there wondering, well, what if I did, what if I did give my effort? Mm. Mm. Would I have been able to achieve you know, the end result that I wanted to achieve. Right. Um, mm. anyway, it, very interesting thought experiment to go that far back. And as you know, sometimes my memory for that far back is not so crystal clear. Um, <laughs> but I, but I think I, I also, also just jumping on the family thing. One thing to n note that's similar between the two of us, we're both younger brothers. And so when we think about developing and having a growth mindset, I also think having older siblings, uh, at least for me, it was a huge help is like, Big I could time. see the path that my brothers paved along the way. So I could get a sense of like, Oh wow, that's possible that I can achieve things like that. And then, you know, I always got that. I always got that competitive mentality kicking in saying I'm going to kick Brendan's ass and I'm going to kick Jordan's ass too. I'm going to, I'm going to blow him out of the water. So yeah. <laughs> there's a little bit of that too, as the younger sibling. <laughs> no, I think that's definitely right. That's a huge, that plays, that plays a, a big factor. It's a big element. Um, so I, I want to, I want to bring this back to this notion of, you know, that, that language and that praising of the effort that you, that you kind of identified that your parents did. And that mm -hmm. I believe my, I'm, I'm pretty certain that my parents did as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to point to another, um, another study that, that Dweck did and, the findings are incredible. So let me just kind of, let me, let me, let me piece through this and then we could extract some, some, some things from it. So in another study, hundreds of students, mostly adolescents, Dweck and her colleagues gave each uh, student 10 fairly challenging problems from a nonverbal IQ test and then praised the students for his or her performance. Okay. Most of the kids did pretty well. Most of the participants did pretty well in general, but they mm -hmm. offer two types of praise. Some students were told, wow, you got X amount right. That's a really good score. You must be smart at this. And some of the students were told, wow, you got X amount right. That's a really good score. You must have worked really hard. The only difference, they said, you must be smart at this. And the other group, they said, you must have worked really hard. In other words, some mm. were praised for ability and the others for effort. Mm. Here are the findings. Okay. The ability praise pushed students right into the fixed mindset and they showed all of the signs of it. When they gave them a choice, they rejected 
a challenging new task that they could learn from. They didn't want to do anything that could expose their flaws and call into question their talent, which was just bestowed upon them. In contrast, when students were praised for effort, 90% of them wanted the challenging new task that they can learn from. Mm. Dweck and her colleagues gave the students a subsequent set of harder questions on which the students didn't do so well. And suddenly the ability praise kids thought they weren't so smart or gifted after all. Mm. Dweck actually puts it, if success had meant they were intelligent, then less than success meant they were deficient. But for the effort praise kids, the difficulty was simply an indication that they had to put in more effort not a sign of failure or a reflection of their poor intellect. Perhaps more importantly, the two mindsets also impacted the kid's level of enjoyment. Everyone enjoyed the first round of easier questions, which most kids got right. But as soon as the questions got more challenging, the ability praise kids no longer had fun, while the effort praise ones not only still enjoyed the problems, but even said that the more challenging, the more fun the problems were. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. The most profound finding, in my opinion, came after the IQ questions were completed. When the researchers asked the kids to write private letters to their peers relaying the experience, including a space for reporting their scores on the problems. Uh oh, here we go. To Dweck's devastation, <laughs> the most toxic byproduct of the fixed mindset turned out to be dishonesty wow. 40% of the ability praise kids lied about their scores inflating them to look more successful hmm. she goes on to say and I quote in the fixed mindset imperfections are shameful especially if you're talented so they lied them away what's so alarming is that we took ordinary children and made them into liars simply by telling them they were smart, end quotes. I think that this goes to show how deeply seated some of the mindsets that we have are ingrained in us and where they could potentially come from. We already started to talk about, you know, mm. our upbringing, the parenting, society, Brothers, sisters, cousins, family, friends, yep. even even little things just just in this. I mean, it's a mind blowing example of how mm -hmm. the only difference between the two was praising one for the effort and one for their ability. And yep. yet it led to these profound changes. So the first step. The first step is recognizing and acknowledging that recognizing that some of these mindsets that we have there, they can go way back. Right? So we need to take stock in that, mm -hmm. recognize that so we can identify, okay, where might we have a fixed mindset so that we can start to transcend that into a growth mindset. I like that you're referencing having like even friends, you know, cause I think when we, when we reflect back on our childhoods, 
in, in a therapeutic way. Of course, we can all draw on examples where like one thing was said that resulted in a, in a growth mindset or one thing was said to us by a teacher that resulted in us having a fixed mindset. I mean, even what I said earlier and what so many people have in school growing up is like, I'm a science and math person. I'm a humanities person. And then you're just like fixed into that and it just oh, follows yeah. you all, through, all throughout you know, college. You know, so it's very easy to like pick those little solitary examples and it can even be overwhelming uh, to even do some of that work in reflecting on that. But I love what you're saying about friendships and all the just people around you, you as a friend, you listening, you as a friend can start to help others around you have a growth mindset. I don't know how many times that I've been around Hunter when I've said I can't do something or I'm not this thing. And he just looks at me like, are you crazy? Are you kidding me? You're saying that in front of me right now? And now it's become habitual for me to never say things like that. Even when I had uh, my recent race at the Castle Peak 100K in these big reflection posts and our podcast afterwards, I kept saying I was so proud of the day because I ran up to my potential. But I didn't leave it there. I didn't just leave it at ran up to my potential. I said, ran up to my potential as it stands right now. Mm. Because I never want to put a limit on that. And having people around me like you, Hunter, like my parents, like my family, like my friends, you all, I want to surround myself with people who have a growth mindset, but also who aren't going to let me get off the hook with thinking that I'm fixed, that I'm set, that I'm not someone who can become. I love that you just said that and I wanna pause on that and just encourage people, if there's anything you take away from this episode, add right now to, to your vocabulary. Right now, if yeah, If you yeah. find that you have a habit of saying I can't or I'm not, add right now at the end of that sentence. I mm. can't mm. blah, 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 blah. Just add right now. Mm. Changes the whole game. Two words, changes the game. That's awesome. And that's a great lead in Hunter uh, for the five ways that we want to offer to the audience that you can start to take on more of a growth mindset in your life. You can kind of fashion this as a go get a challenge for the week. So here are our five Hunter. What's the first one? I think the first one, and it just kind of touches on something that I mentioned just a few moments ago is just real acknowledging, realizing where you may have a fixed mindset, but also realizing that you can improve. This is not just me saying this. This is scientifically backed. There's a, a, there's a term called neuroplasticity that they actually show that the brain is continuing to evolve, to change, to adapt. They used to think that you know after childhood, it just ceases to, to change and adapt and improve. Research backs this, science backs this. Your brain is changing and improving and you have the ability scientifically, it's proven to go ahead and adopt new traits and practice and be deliberate and continue to improve over time. So the first thing is just is, is really to just let that sit in and acknowledge that because I know that there's, you know, at times all of us, we somehow convince ourselves that what we are today in a certain thing is what we will be and it's just not the case. So get that out of your head and realize that it's just not true. It's fact that it's not true. That's number one. 
Number two, fix yourself talk. Like Hunter said, add right now to the phrases. If you're saying I can't, I can't right now. Someone says, Austin, are you a, a, a Netflix documentarian? I am not right now, but you better buy, you bet I will be. Go on, son. Number three, reward the process, not the result. Reward the process, not the result. Something, somebody that comes to my mind with this is Jesse Itzler. I've heard him talk about this many times with his children. I think he's got four kids now. And he makes such a deliberate decision to reward the effort and not the end result. And he does that not only with his language, but also with his energy. You know, what he gets amped up about, what he gets all hyped up with, you know, hyped up about with his kids is when they put forth a really good effort, not necessarily if they won. Obviously, if they won or if they scored or if they achieved the end result, he acknowledges that. But the bigger energy and emphasis is on that effort. So make a deliberate effort to reward the process, not the result. Hey, that's a, that's a great one. I've, you know, in the past for me, I've uh, tried to date somebody who didn't want to date me back and I went out and had an ice cream party. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate the process of trying to go for it rather than the result that it didn't work out. So, you know, on, I, I amen to that one. Number four, get feedback. Seek it out. Seek it out because that's you're gonna, how you're going to improve. The way I thought about this this past week, I wrote an article, came out with Ultra Running, Ultra Running Magazine. I have a huge support network that read it, was reaching out to me saying that they really liked it. It was really awesome. But I sent an email to two sports journalists who I really re admire and said, hey, you know, I'm going to get a lot of love from my friends and family. I super appreciate that. But I want you, if you have the time to read, to give this a critical eye. Seriously, like the email I wrote, I said, no worries at all if you don't have time to read this, but if you do get a chance, I would love to hear your thoughts, especially any constructive feedback you have for me. I have plenty of friends and family who will tell me it's great, but I'm trying to be the best I can. So I really value that critical eye. Get feedback. I love that. Don't turn away from the feedback. Embrace it because it's part of the journey. That leads me into number five, which is accept failure as part of the process. I think that we need to recalibrate our blueprint to associate success with becoming and not being. We talked about it earlier, but our success needs to mean becoming and not being. I can't stress that enough. I hope that that's a big takeaway for you all listening to start to love the process and really focus on becoming smart, becoming intelligent, becoming faster, becoming stronger, becoming more successful. I love it. Hunter, thank you so much for walking us through that amazing research and sharing some stories with us today. All of you listening, thank you for tuning in. And remember this week, go get it. Go get it.